Just before we begin our podcast today, I have to interrupt with very important and exciting news. Fresh off the press and available right now, my brand new book, Revival If, igniting your passion for personal renewal and national revival. I really, really believe as you read its pages, your spirit will be stirred, your heart will be sparked by the power of the Holy Spirit, teaching you to become a right now resurrected, revenant, remnant revivalist of redemptive change. You can pick up your copy at any fine bookstore, including digital bookstores on your favorite platform, or get your exclusive signed author's edition by visiting revivalif.com. In the basis for my new book, Revival If, 2 Chronicles 7.14, it's a contract. If, hmm, only if. The bare Bible truth of that covenant fact is that prayer must become the heartbeat of our lives. Prayer. Do we hunger for it? Do we thirst for it? Are we satisfied without it? Our lives full of the husks of the world, so we have no appetite for prayer. The central theme of your Christian life must become the rhythm of heaven in everything you do, every day and in every place, prayer. Pray without ceasing. That's what the book says. We don't have a higher calling. We have no more basic or fundamental imperative. There is no more indispensable ingredient for releasing the heavenly reign of revival than that of prayer. I know you want it to be something else. I know you want it to be advertising. I I know you want it to be music. I I know you want it to be singing. I, I know you want it to be preaching. Not without prayer. The great apostle of prayer, E.M. Bounds, had this to say. The prayers of God's saints are the capital stock in heaven by which Christ carries on his great work on earth. The great heroes and mighty convulsions on earth are the results of these prayers. Earth is changed and revolutionized. Angels move in more powerful, on more powerful and rapid wings. And God's policy is shaped as the prayers are more numerous and efficient. My great God in heaven, Would you remember this? I've often taught it. I'm not sure if I've ever taught it in in these 
So I don't know that I've taught it for a decade. It is this. Our God, take heart, God uses both stars. Everybody knows the stars. But God also uses candles. A single, solitary flame birthed of a single, solitary spark. One life. One soul. Stars, yes. Candles. God uses to light his world. In every single generation, luminaries of our great faith capture our attention. They amaze us. <laughs> I've been amazed watching the great Catherine Kuhlman. I've sat in awe listening to the wisdom and the anointed power of Dr. Lester Sumrall. I know the touch of Oral Roberts, the great R.W. Schambach upon my forehead. I was released into apostolic authority through the hands of one of those great stars still burning, my dear friend, Kenneth Copeland. Oh, I've, I've watched the stars burn. These great giants of the faith, there are thousands more who are conducting the business of God's kingdom without anyone knowing their name, without anyone sending out advertisement that they're on their way, without anyone even knowing their activity because it's taking place in secret. I will remind you, your Bible says, your Bible, remember these? Your Bible says that what is done in secret, God will reward openly. There are those right now. Oh, hallelujah. There are those right now. Be encouraged. You're having life-transforming impact in your home. Your family is being changed by your witness. Your community is coming into a lighter place simply because you live there. Some of you are chosen by God. You hear me this night to be that spark which ignites a flame that produces a mighty revival. Now, you hear me. A revival in your heart is not to be despised. You can't have an awakening, but you can have a revival. Your church can have a revival. Your family can be revived. Your prayer life can be revived. Your anointing can be revived. If you're believing for it, if you're praying for it, type in just a simple word, me. It's one of those two-letter words. 
so small and yet with such great impact. Type in me, I want revival. Me, I want the spirit of prayer. Me, I want the spirit of intercession. Just one act of simple obedience from one surrendered life can be enough to revolutionize an entire generation. You don't believe it? What's in revival if, and I got it from the Bible. We're studying it on Sunday nights, James chapter three, verse five. Here's what it says. See how great a matter, a little fire kindles. You know, you won't have to inform anyone that your life is touched by prayer. Do you know why? A fire is self-announcing. <laughs> it doesn't have to advertise. When there's fire, everybody's aware. I have one more thing I want to share with you. Do you have time? Or are you in a hurry? Is your favorite show coming on? Is it football night in America? Do you have time? I'm going to trust your typing in yes right now. Because I want to share with you about someone whose name I, I doubt that 1% of the folks watching or listening tonight have ever heard his name. He was used of God to begin, I want to I use the term carefully, a movement about which, again, you've also probably never heard. I'm going to parenthetically insert this. You can't miss what you've never had. And churches without the presence of God are sepulchers. Your Bible calls them whited sepulchers where no true life can be found. Only ritual, formalism, going through the motions. It's like a club is what modern churches have become. And because there's no corporate presence of God, the people have never become accustomed to God's presence. So when and if they attempt to seek God in prayer, which usually they don't, they end up empty-handed because they don't understand presence because they've never had it. How sad tonight. How tragic that you may be in a situation where you've never truly known the presence of God. I hear a song in my heart. It's real. It's real. Oh, I know it's real. This gentleman's story began very, very quietly. 
it was it was very simple. But within a matter of weeks, it burst into a mighty Holy Ghost revival. Changed. It had culture shaking consequences. You're going to be startled when you find out about it. I'm going to tell you right now. Let me give you a little bit of background. When the year 1857, now that was exactly 100 years before I was born. So it wasn't all that long ago. 1857. When the year began, there was no reason to believe that it would be, you know, much different than any other year. But by the end of that year, the conditions in America, watch me, economically, spiritually, would be radically different than January 1st of that year. Here's the landscape. Interest in religion, interest in religion, just like today, was in a steep downward decline. A new generation had arisen that did not know God as their parents, as their grandparents had known God. It only takes one generation to lose grasp on revival and the presence of God. And in that vacuum, as is always the case, rushed a lot of new religious groups, the Mormons, the Adventists, who emphasized excesses that turn people away from religion. That's the devil's plan. He dresses up in Sunday clothes, you know. He shows up as an angel of light. He doesn't walk into your home and announce, hello, I'm here to destroy everything you love and drag you kicking and screaming to hell. Oh, no. You always rationalize what he's doing. There were other unrelated factors that converged in the summer and fall of 1857, and they're no different than those we're experiencing right now. They were led into economic devastation. It became known as the Panic of 1857. Sound familiar? The stock market crashed in October. Many are predicting such today. Entire fortunes were wiped out overnight. Thousands and thousands of banks failed and closed their doors. Thousands and thousands of businesses closed never to reopen. Sound like COVID? Adding to all that distress, there was an enormous, get ready, influx of immigrants, which fueled, here it is again, suspicion, mistrust between ethnic groups. Sound familiar? Gangs in urban areas defended their territories in neighborhoods. Violence. Criminal activity increased off the charts. 
Sound familiar? New York City was a flashpoint. Sound familiar? Characterized by a riot between these rival gangs. Seem familiar? That, that riot lasted for two days in July of 1857. There can be no doubt that darkness was overwhelming, like today. But into every darkness, a light began to shine. It sparked in the most unlikely place, a third floor room on the top of a dead church. <laughs> that was the place, that was the time when an unassuming lay minister, his name was Jeremiah Lamphere, he decided in all of that wreckage to do something very simple, hold a one hour a week prayer meeting, one hour. He wasn't a preacher. He had no training, no experience as a minister, hadn't been to Bible college, wasn't ordained, hadn't had anybody lay their hands on him. He was a tailor. He made clothing. He'd been thrown out of his place of business just before this by the untimely failure of the person's business in which he was employed. He had no job. He was a stranger to wealth. He was not a stranger to adversity. Am I talking about you? He became radically born again. You want revival, preacher? Win souls. You want revival in your life, ma'am? Win your knees to Jesus. He became Mr. Lanfear radically. I don't mean this newfangled thing. I mean, he was radically born again. So he gave up his career to work for a Manhattan church, which was struggling to survive. He accepted a position called Urban Missions Director. Spent his days Listen, pre listen, preacher, listen, elder, listen, deacon. He spent his days visiting area businesses, hotels, doing nothing but inviting people to church. He wasn't telling somebody else to do it. He was doing it. He was also given a list of people who in the darkness and despair of those times had left the church, he was sent to invite them to come back. <laughs> he didn't have much success, but he was familiar with the routine of businesses where he lived because he'd been in business. He noticed that most of the those businesses closed at noon and their employees took an hour off for lunch. He saw an opportunity. Do you? If you're not seeing an opportunity, you're not looking because God's giving them to you. So he asked for it and he received permission from the church to use one of its rooms for a soul winning experiment. Here's what he did. He printed up several thousand little handbills and he just distributed them all through Manhattan advertising an hour of prayer. Now remember the situation. 
Nobody wanted to hear about God, much less prayer. He put a sign on the door leading to that little third story prayer room. Here's what that sign said. Wednesday prayer meeting from 12 o'clock to one o'clock, Wednesday. Stop in for five, 10, 20 minutes or the whole hour as your time admits. At noon on that first Wednesday, I'd like to tell you that the room was crowded. It was desperate times. You'd think people would be reaching out to God. No, no, no. That first Wednesday, Lamphere spent the hour praying alone. Then he began to pray at 1220 that same day. By then, not a soul had joined him. Finally, at 1230, halfway through the hour, he heard some footsteps coming up the steps just outside the room. By the end of the first hour, there were six men, six men in a room praying in agreement for about 20 minutes for the Lord God Almighty to reach even one person with the glorious gospel of Christ. It is, after all, all about the one. You want revival? Stop thinking of masses. Leave the 99. Go find the one. Luke 15, 4. And as a result, the first refreshing drops of Holy Ghost rain in what became known as the businessman's revival had fallen. The next week, there were 20 intercessors. The following week, the group swelled to 40. Some stayed just five minutes, but the majority of them used their entire lunch hour. Are you kidding? Can you imagine that? Pleading for souls dying without Christ. In a very, very short time, Lamphere and his brothers in spiritual arms sensed that the prayer meeting once a week wasn't enough. Prayer's like a milkshake. The more you drink, the more you want. So they began meeting every day. Now these men had a supreme focus, pleading with God, not for financial prosperity, not for necessarily healing or even delivering, pleading the blood of Jesus Christ to forgive the sins and save the unbelievers in their business area. Within six months time, are you ready? 10,000 people were in daily prayer, noon prayer. They were meeting all across New York City, 10,000 of them. The urge, the unction to pray spread to cities like Philadelphia. By the spring of 1858, one year later, thousands were praying in thousands of cities. The United States of America was shaken. Newspapers ran daily headlines telling about the great prayer revival. And prayer was the subject of conversation everywhere. 
later became known as the Fulton Street Revival. It changed the moral fabric of the nation. Stop fighting about politics. Stop fighting about race. Stop fighting about social concerns. Let's fight. Let's plead. Let's pray for a revival of salvation for hell-bound souls. In that one revival started by one man in one room in New York City, one hour a week. They don't know how many were born again in America, but they know that the conversions to Christ Jesus topped one million souls. One man who decided to pray one hour. A million souls, listen to me, at that time, the population of America was only 30 million. That means 3% of the entire population was born again as a result of that one man deciding to pray. Today, 3% of the American population being born again in a few months would be in excess of 10 million conversions. <laughs> there was a ship about the dock in the New York Harbor. There were 29 sailors on the ship. And before the ship got docked, the presence and power of God fell and all 29 of those sailors knelt on that deck and were gloriously born again. In Kalamazoo, Michigan, at a prayer meeting, one woman simply asked for prayer for her husband who was lost without God. A man through the crowd all the way in the back stood up and announced, I am that man, please pray for me. She had no idea that her husband was there. Other men began to stand. They made the same request. By the end of that one prayer meeting, that one day, 500 people were born again. What church today has 500 people born again in a day? Well, the number would be very, very few because they're no longer prayer warriors. Historians tell us that that Fulton Street revival was only interrupted by the beginning of the Civil War. One report said that a full one-third of the entire Confederate Army and its officer corps became born again as a result of the fire begun by the Fulton Street prayer meeting. Let me give you a few facts about that revival. First, it was led by lay people. Stop waiting on your preacher to do it. Ministers seldom, if ever, led the meetings. Second, people from all denominations, all theological persuasions attended without regard for anything but lost souls. It's time for the church to make the main thing the main thing. It is all about the one. It was a revival of prayer. 
wasn't a revival of preaching. Oh, if we had evangelist so-and-so come, if we had such and so music group come, if we had such and so worship group come, we would have, no, no, no. If we pray, if, only if, revival if, my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray. The result will be an emphasis on prayer and those prayers for lost souls. We've never seen anything like Fulton Street before or after. But conditions right now are perfect for God to move sovereignly once again, prompting an outpouring of prayer that will lead to personal and national revival. And I intend to be a part of it. And I want you to participate in it as well. You need to get your hands on a copy. Revival if. I want to get revival if in the hands of as many people as I humanly can. You see that, that puzzle piece of fire missing? I think that's you. I think that's prayer. I think that's your church, your family. I said, I'm not going to do anything but go from church to church and train soul winners and come back to those churches and have soul winning revivals but no one would support it. I could preach and teach on anything else and people supported it grandly. But when I began to make it all about the one, the support dried up like it turned off a faucet. I've made a covenant with God I'll never turn back again because of a lack of support. God gave me back my voice after vocal cord cancer for this very purpose. And if you believe that, if you believe that what I'm preaching, what I'm teaching, what I'm doing is making the main thing the main thing, revival, you know, revival begins not when that world gets saved, but when the church gets right. When we care more about giving for souls than giving to get, we'll have revival. I'm asking you tonight, I'm asking you with all of my heart, to give a vote of confidence tonight to the gospel like you've heard tonight being shared across America and around the world. We have opportunities. We are being literally begged to come on new television networks with this message. But I, I, we can't do it. I've got churches, a list that would reach from here to your house of churches begging me to come and win souls. But I can't go. Your Bible says, how will they go unless someone sends them? I have to get there and back. We've got 15 ministries here for me to take care of. Would you soul 
so for souls tonight? Would you do that? I, I don't know. Maybe this is a test. Does a revival like the Fulton Street revival sound like something God would get behind? Then help me bring it. Help me. In Jesus' name. Nations around the world are clamoring. Pastor Rod, please come. Pastor Rod, please come. We'll have 100,000. We'll have 200,000. We'll have 50,000 for you to preach to. Will you help me get there? Will you help me fulfill this mandate? Will you believe for personal and national revival with me? So I encourage you. All the methods of your sowing for revival tonight are right there. Smart giving, you can just text your seed. Also, you can go, if you're making a check, World Harvest Church, Box 100, but I sure hope you'll call and let me know you're sending that gift or just call that 1-800-755-2839 number or you can sow on that secure website, rodparsley.com, I believe, or whc.life. I believe they can sow there as well. You can. So either of those websites. Lord, bless the people now. Oh God, let tonight there be visitations of the Holy Spirit confirming your word with miracles, signs, and wonders following. In Jesus' mighty name. You know, for over 40 years now, my ministry has been marked by a very special move of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to pour those 40 years of ministry experience into your spirit. So allow me to send you my newest labor of love. It's called Revival If, igniting your passion for personal renewal and national revival. You can receive exclusive resources such as your exclusive signed author's edition, study guides, a devotional for Revival If, and a whole lot more at revivalif.com. Now don't forget, you can connect with me on many, many social media platforms. Just visit rodparsley.com for all the official links. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast and may God empower you to bring revival to your family, your church, and the nation.